Oh, hi everyone. Welcome to the latest podcast for Markham's Invisible Strength series. We're pleased to welcome our special guest, Francesca Lipscomb. Francesca is the General Manager at the New Zealand Eco-Labelling Trust, and they administer the Environmental Choice New Zealand program. Francesca, could you tell us a bit about yourself, um, some industry background, and how you became involved in the program? Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, as you said, I'm the General Manager of the New Zealand Eco-Labelling Trust. We have a contract with the Ministry for the Environment to administer their eco-label, Environmental Choice New Zealand, um, on their behalf. I've mm -hmm. been um, in the role of general manager for uh, coming up six years now, but I've been with the trust for um, almost nine years. Time flies. <laughs> Prior to that, I had a variety of sort of sales and marketing jobs in various industries. So this has been my first foray into sustainability. And I find the, the industry really interesting, obviously quite leading edge. You know, the, the trust has been around for a long time. And I think that uh, consumers and, and, the, and industries in general are really only catching up with, with sustainability issues and, and eco-labelling. Right. Okay, that's cool. Could you explain the Green Star building program to our listeners and how the environmental choice fits into that process? Yeah, absolutely. So the New Zealand Green Building Council has a, a couple of different rating tools. One of those is, is Green Star, which is a, a ratings tool that looks at the environmental impacts of, of building and buildings. Part of uh, getting points under that ratings tool if you're a builder or a specifier or an architect is to choose products and materials that meet certain environmental credentials. So the Green Building Council does not audit or license products and materials themselves. What they do is rely on independent third-party labels like Environmental Choice New Zealand um, to provide that assurance that um, products meet certain environmental credentials across their whole life cycle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are the characteristics of the eco-label process? Um, the process is very stringent. So it's certainly not something that's easy to achieve. Uh, what we do is we set criteria that are based specifically on certain product and service categories and take into account the environmental concerns uh, or issues that are prevalent in that particular or in those particular products and service categories and we set criteria around those. The process of getting an environmental choice eco-label involves an on-site audit so that is always the case when you, when you first apply for a license. We employ independent uh, assessors or auditors to come on site and assess all relevant aspects of the product supply chain, I guess, or manufacturing process. Mm -hmm. Does that like does that take quite a long time, or is that is that monitored over a period, or yeah, how long does that? Yeah, take? it is. So, as I say, the initial audit is is always involves a, an on site component, mm -hmm. but then there's also all sorts of paperwork that an applicant would need to provide to support the application uh, and it's not a it's not a one-off audit so getting the environmental choice license once doesn't mean you can use it you know till the end of time yeah. every product that's licensed under the label does need to be subjected to uh, annual verification audits to ensure ongoing compliance and um, Francesca could you talk go into a bit more detail about the process involved 
Yes, absolutely. The environmental choice label applies specifically to products and services. So it's not it's not an environmental management system. It doesn't um, recognise an organisation as a whole. But there are some aspects of a, an annual audit that do take into account organisation-wide initiatives. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about product-specific requirements, we look at things like raw material sourcing, uh, the manufacturing process uh, that covers things like the energy used, the waste generated, packaging, consumer information. In all of our specifications, there is a requirement for an end-of-life solution that is available in the country the product's being used, um, generally generally New Zealand. So specifications are very focused on the product. But then we also ask any organisation with licensed products to report annually on their energy use and the waste generated, they generate as as a business. Uh, And this is really to ensure that licensed companies are thinking more broadly about sustainability and thinking beyond the products and and to some, you know, some broader issues that that they should be aware of and monitoring and, I guess, justifying if if there was a a significant increase in, in energy use or waste generated or, you know. Issues like that. So, yeah, we are asking organisations to prove their products meet certain environmental standards, but also that they are being responsible environmentally as an organisation as well. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with Hayden yesterday and he was touching on that a bit and saying about using an electric forklift and we had skylights put into the back of our warehouse to cut down on energy consumption, recycling the drums that the products are in and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's really interesting that all of that actually does play a part. And I think it it just encourages people to get on that bus. And it's not just, yeah, not just about a product. It's about just looking after our planet and thinking outside the square. And Yes, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And, I, and I think that um, very often getting an environmental choice license is a great motivator for staff. You know, it's, it, it's a feel-good factor to know an organisation's you know, considering the environment and, and doing the right things. And people really tend to get on board with that and, and enjoy the process. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I'm at the supermarket buying cleaning products, if I see a, see something with the label, I just always go for that product because I feel like I'm helping in some small little way. Well, yeah. done. Yeah, we, we can all make a difference by purely choosing the right yeah. products. And um, there is, you know, there are enough options out there now that, that we can yeah. be more conscious consumers that's awesome okay okay and I understand that the certification is respected internationally is that correct it is yes we um we are New Zealand's only type one eco label Mm -hmm. there is a a group called the global eco labeling network and and we are a member of that network and that's a network of like-minded type one eco labels from all around the world So we have that international association, which is fantastic because it means we can share information with our international colleagues, particularly around developing new criteria and setting standards. We can also utilize the resources of our international colleagues to perform audits when we have New Zealand companies manufacturing offshore. And then we also get a certain level of recognition by being a member of of the Global Eco-Labeling Network, which means that the Environmental Choice Licence does carry some weight in other parts of the world as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. Would you be able to talk us through a real-life case study? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess a, a great one in, in this context and because um, they've been around for a long time is, is Resine. So mm-hmm. Resine got the environmental choice license even before the trust that I work for was set up. So, oh, I can't, I, well over 20 years ago now. Right. And they have seen the space of the paint specification develop over time so that, I guess it's another thing to is that our um, specifications are dynamic as well so every three to five years we review all of our specifications with the view to making them more stringent more relevant more meaningful and pushing industries along mm-hmm. towards you know less environmental harm as the years go on so Rosine uh, joined the program way back in the early 90s and they have been through many iterations of the paint specification and improved their product and their processes in order to comply with our requirements over time and yeah it's been a real success story so they have the environmental choice licenses is business as usual for them now they don't develop a new product without considering the requirements that we set and when anyone asks me what I do and I'm trying to (laughs) try to describe (laughs) the label and and where you can see it the the most visible use of the label is on the top of a resine paint tin and when I say that almost everyone can can picture what it looks like I can I I can (laughs) yeah yeah, I can definitely can picture that oh that's funny (laughs) Oh, that's really interesting. So could you tell our listeners um, how to get in touch if they wanted to move towards their own certification? Yeah, absolutely. The the best place to start would be to check out our website. So that's environmentalchoice.org.nz or give us a call in the office on 845, oh, this is Auckland, 845-3330. But yeah, certainly start with the website. There's lots of great information on there, not only about the program, but about the application process and and some great case studies on Resine and and many of our other licensees. Um, It's a really good place to start. That's really cool. Thank you for that. We really appreciate, well, I really appreciate you joining us today, Francesca. Thank you for that. Um, You've given us some valuable food for thought and action. Um, And to all our listeners, don't miss our next episode.